Father Larry. Let's begin with a prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we love you and we honor you and we thank you for allowing us to be here. Father, we thank you that in the midst of darkness, you always give us hope, that you are the God of hope, that you are the God of love, and that we trust in you and can trust in you with all our being. Father, send your spirit upon us that we may speak your word and own your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, hello, this is Father Larry Richards, and this is the Anchored in Hope podcast. Again, normally we're doing this, uh, we're in the, the, I'm in my podcast room, but my, it's not working. So we're going to do it this way. I'm sorry, we're going back to the old way, but the old way to me is the way that works the best. So this is just going to be the way we have to do this for a while. So uh, again, sorry, we're going to be fine. I have lots of questions that have been here uh, last week. I was in the middle of passing a kidney stone, and I think I did it that very day. I'm um, not positive for that, but when they went and they did the x-ray uh, on Thursday later on, or uh, this past Tuesday, it wasn't there anymore. So um, that's all done by God's grace. I want to thank everybody for their prayers. That was something I don't want to do again. Um, there is, uh, I had to get a, a CAT scan with contrast today because they're still thinking there's something else going on. But I said, there's nothing else going on. What, you, what are you talking about? So we're praying that uh, they don't find anything else in there. I think they just like to look for things. But anyway, so again, I ask your prayers right after I'm done here tonight. I am going uh, done here. I'm going to um, see my counselor and then I'm going to feed my dogs. and I'm going to drive up to Cleveland uh, and then I leave early in the morning to go out to Dallas for the men's conference on Saturday. So if you're in the Dallas, Texas area, I'm going to be up there on uh, Saturday and I'm going to be doing your men's conference out there, which is always a fine time for me. This will be my third time in Texas in the last month and a half. So I don't know what it is about me in Texas, but I love the people of Texas and I love Texas. And my dad is uh, buried there. So down in Houston, I got to see him a couple weeks ago, which was great. Um, so anyway, here we are again. So let's go on and let's look at some of these questions. And again, a lot of questions have come in. And so I'll answer them again as best as I can uh, with the time that we have. And uh, again, I never purposely uh, don't answer a question unless it's something that uh, I can't answer right then and there. But almost always we go through all this stuff. Uh, except some of them here like... Uh, about sex, I don't want to talk about all those sexual things explicitly here on the webcast because it's uh, there. I know kids in that watch it, so we'd have to answer that in another another time. We come in, you know. They put out uh, my media guy Vince, a great guy, has been putting out parts of my talks here, and so some of them, when they're put out in context, you know, they're you know they're putting they're put out in a context and so sometimes people aren't listening to my whole thing they're only listening to parts of it so a couple weeks ago like people were on my case for uh, the marijuana comment when I talked you know because again they're everything people talk about with uh, you know whether it's good whether it's bad I don't do marijuana I don't think anyone should do marijuana but 
they're talking about the reality is it's sinful uh, no matter what. If it's legal, again, I wouldn't think it's sinful. Uh, but if you're done, done in a place and if you get high on purpose, it would be sinful. It's just like drinking alcohol. And I know people distinguish between the two things. But again, people take, uh, take it all the time for uh, pain and everything else. I know some very, very, very uh, good daily mass Catholics that take it now because uh, they have shingles and it's the only thing that helps them. When my mother was in the hospital and she was down to 70 pounds, they... Uh, they talked about, we'd put her on uh, marijuana to help her give her an ap added, uh, appetite. And uh, she didn't want it, of course, because she was a cop her whole life. But again, anything that God creates can be used for good and it can be used for bad. So if we use anything selfishly and we use it just for our own pleasure, that's where we have problems. Again, we, we just got to sit back and talk about these things instead of as soon as someone says something we don't agree with, we automatically jump on them and we automatically think that these people are evil. This isn't of God. It just isn't. We got we to gotta at least be opening to listening because the only way we'll jump on people is if we're afraid. God can handle any question we have. There is nothing that can't be uh, questioned. There's nothing that we can't have a dialogue about. Nothing. Because God is ultimate truth. He'll always lead us in truth. He doesn't get afraid when someone asks questions. And again, you don't always have to agree with the answers, but you got to at least sit there and be willing to dialogue instead of saying, you know, or like someone talks about, uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago too about... Uh, tattoos and so someone just used proof text you know and I hear here father you can't do it how do you glorify God with uh, in your body with a tattoo and like I said I have priests that have tattoos and good priests holy priests holy hour priests blessed mother priests to do that almost everyone when I used to go to Franciscan University almost every one of those little pagans down there had tattoos there is a way that you can glorify God in your body with a tattoo I wouldn't get one I wouldn't encourage others to get them but again we can't just use Old Testament proof texts to show something is wrong because we don't agree with it. So that's all I'm saying. You know, this, this podcast is to hopefully answer questions, but it's also to give hope. And it's also open to bringing the truth to people. And sometimes when we just close other people off and we think that they're all wrong and the only one that's right is me and my interpretation of scripture or my interpretation of the teaching of the church, the humility is lacking there. And again, as we've talked before, humility is so necessary when we come to serve the Lord. It just is. And so please, together, we're on this journey and together we're going to sit there and seek God's will. That's what we're here for, okay? So don't just go crazy on me. I do that enough on myself, to tell you the truth. So anyway, let's start and ask some of these questions here. Okay. Our, brother, our Protestant brothers and sisters refer to Easter Sunday as Resurrection Day. What's the history of the word Easter for Catholics? I, I'm sorry, I really don't know. I've never... Uh, really spent time on the, what the word uh, Easter means. Sorry. Uh, now that you're going to make me look it up, so, but not right this moment, but okay. Uh, I don't know. Hmm. There you go. Sometimes we answer questions, and sometimes we do not because we don't know the answers. 
Anyway, hi, Father. Uh, yes, I'm better. We already talked about that. Thank you. Okay. If Jesus taught us to pray the Our Father, why do we dare to say this prayer every day? Again, it's because it, it's, a, it's a sign of humility that God would allow us to call him Father. And it's more than that, that we do dare. That Look how uh, a lot of the world, like Islam, they would never call God Father. They don't believe in a personal God. God is too other. You know, and for us to call God Father, it's like we dare to call him Father. Yes, we dare. It's my... Uh, I, I encourage you, I don't know if you're in your own prayer, I encourage you if when your prayer time is happening, you develop a prayer word. A prayer word is something that will instantly bring you into the presence of God. And when you sit there and have this prayer word, this prayer word can uh, surrender you. For me, my prayer word is Abba. It's always been Abba since I was in seminary. So when I'm crazy in my own life and a lot of things are going on, when I come into prayer and I breathe because breath is from God's Holy Spirit and I just breathe and I go, Abba, I can instantly come into the presence of God and I can instantly have some peace. Also, if things are going crazy and I'm driving or someone's pushing my button, and if I can just for a moment, I always tell my guardian angel, remind me of the word so that I don't get crazy because sometimes I'm a reactor uh, and that isn't a good thing. But if I can just go, Abba, then no matter what the situation is in my life at that particular moment, then I can come into God's presence. So I'd encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to find a word that will take you and make your prayer beyond going through the uh, motions, beyond ritual, and so where you can enter into relationship. So for me, it's been Father. I mean, Abba, for others, would be Father. For others, it's just Jesus. For other, my friend, uh, come Holy Spirit. Whatever, wherever the Lord leads you, it'll just help you because that's your word between you and God that you can always know that I'm in his presence. He loves me. He's with me. I'm never alone. And uh, that's just something that's helped me, and hopefully it'll be something that can help you. Okay? Why did God allow Judas to have evil thoughts? He could have changed him to a good person. I don't want to think Judas in the salvation history, but why was he in the Lord's way to our salvation? Judas had freedom, complete freedom. He wasn't uh, chosen, if you will, to betray Christ. God knew he would betray Christ, and he still used that, but he always gave Judas free will, always, with all of us. You know, why do any of us sin? Why do I sin? You know, I keep, I often think in my own life of, you know, Lord, you know, the greatest thing sometimes would be saying, okay, God, take away my free will. My free will is I never want to sin again, so that's what my choice is, so let me never do that again. And he never does it, you know. Why? Because, again, the greatest gift God has given us according to Aquinas was our existence, and the second greatest gift God gave us was our free will. So our free will is what um, keeps us being able to love God because if we didn't have free will, then there can be no love. You cannot make someone love you. That's even why we talk about if you just come to God and you just go to church and you just obey the commandments, 
because you're afraid of going to hell, then you're no longer free. Huh? You're just no longer free. You're doing things because you're being forced into it. Like, you can't force someone into a sacrament. You can't force someone into marriage. You can't force someone to get baptized. You can't force somebody because God knows the freedom of the person. And God gave us that freedom. And so it's very important that we never force anybody. And that's the way God is with us. God doesn't force us to do anything. He invites us. Because if he forced us, we would no longer be free. If he forced us, then we could not love him because love demands freedom. So Judas was free, as was the devil, free. God knew what they were going to do when he created them, uh, but he still created them, knowing he could bring good out of it. You know, but again, I often, uh, you know, you think about Judas, and traditionally, most people think that Judas betrayed Christ because he won, he was looking for uh, a Messiah that would make the Jewish people this messianic Messiah, the one that would make the, the Jewish people great and a great nation and uh, towering over everybody else and lording over everybody else. And then Jesus comes as, you know, the suffering savior. And Judas really thought, no, no, that ain't what he was. He was gonna try to push him into making this reality of, okay, if I push Jesus, so, but we don't know. We don't know the mind and heart of Judas, just like we don't know the mind of heart of other people, and rarely do we know our own mind and heart the way we should. So uh, again, it always comes down to free will, free will, free will. Greatest gift God gave us after he gave us existence, okay? Are doctors and fathers of the church the same thing? Nope. Uh, what does it mean to be a doctor or a father? Well, uh, the fathers of the church are the ones that were with in the early beginnings of the church. So the fathers of the church at least uh, either knew the apostles or um, early on, Augustine was, uh, he wasn't, didn't know the apostles, but he knew a lot of stuff. So he's still uh, considered by most a father of the church. Now, some people would say, no, he's not a father, but he's a doctor. Doctors can be people of great theology, you know, so the little flower is considered a doctor of the church. She could not in any way be a father of the church, but she can be a doctor of the church by her little way. And it, it talks about deep spiritual insight, you know, because again, someone like uh, the little flower, if you ever read, and it's beautiful to read her, uh, the uh, care of the soul or, uh, you know, her just biography is how she does everything for the love of God and how important that is for us to do everything for the love of God. Um, and so that was make her, make, make her a doctor. And so, uh, but a father is one of the ones from the early beginning of the church. What Jesus means when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is God, of course he is God. But in his humanity, you know, Christ in his humanity died on the cross. And so he could also struggle. And if you ever, you know, watch my Passion Talk, which is online, you can see Father Larry Richards' Passion Talk. It's very intense, though, just so you know. But it's also a quote of uh, Psalm 22, and it ends Psalm 22 when, you, when it starts off, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It ends with uh, a surrender to God and his will and hope in God that great things will happen from anything that God does. But 
my theology of it, and it's been my theology, this is not the teaching of the church, please be clear that I'm not saying this is the teaching of the church. What I am saying is like, when I'm doing my passion talk and I cry out, my God, when I talk, when I cry out with Jesus, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? I always theologize that is that is the moment that God the Father took all the sins of the world and placed them on Jesus. Because remember, the word of God says, he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the very righteousness of God. So when Jesus was on the cross, he paid for our sins. So he became sin and then he died to kill all sin. And so when Jesus became sin, God the Father could not look at sin, so he turns away his face. And so Jesus Christ can cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So that in his humanity, he felt alone, totally alone. Now, of course, he was not alone. But isn't that great that our God would allow himself to feel what we feel, to experience that in the depths of his being when he took our sin upon himself and he paid the penalty? It's unbelievable that God would do that. Now, again, that is theological speculation. It isn't defined theology. So there are many different ways of looking at it. So someone could say, oh, Father, I don't agree with that at all. I think this is what happened. And of course, if there's history for it and different things and it's a good, solid theology, then you could say that. So that's why I have done it and I've talked about it all these years. He's quoting the Psalm that ends in hope, but he's also in he who knew no sin became sin. It made him feel very alone and separated from the Father. He was not, of course he wasn't. But again, you gotta remember that even in the theology of the Trinity, when Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's talking to his father. You know, the father is not the son, the son is not the father, the father is not the spirit, the spirit is not the son. It's three persons in one God. So there's this intimacy of relationship with all of them. So we gotta know that and uh, remember that, but how that, how that magnifies itself or brings itself out on the cross, it's all speculation. Uh, good theology behind it, but just so you know, but that's what I have been talking about for years. Okay, Easter is from Europe. We actually call it Pascal. Man, there you go. I would still like to know why the actual word Easter is there. So, but I will look it up. Thank you. I have a lovely painted, I have a lovely painted on tin picture of the crucifixion I hang on Ash Wednesday and flip it remove at the end of Easter season. Is that okay? Or should I remove before Easter? You can keep it up all year. Like it's Easter. We're in the middle of uh, the octave of Easter. So it's eight days of celebrating the great feast. But I still have Christ on the cross behind me, you know, because again, it's the eternal now. I, you know, I call these uh, liturgical Nazis who sit there and say, you can't put out Jesus uh, in Advent. You can't put him in a crib. You know, I'll stop it. Jesus was born 2,000 years ago and Jesus died 2,000 years ago. He's resurrected. Yes, always. But we can do all these things to remind us of a specific part of what was happening in the life of Christ. Remember, God lives in an eternal now, okay? So hopefully that's help. Is it okay to beg God to tie me to his cross and not receive the freedom? No, it's not okay. What you want more than anything, what all of us must want more than anything 
is to live God's holy will. Huh? Holiness is when God's will and our will become one. So sometimes people say, God, this is what I want, like I told you earlier, like, God, I don't want any more free will. And he goes, nope, I want you to have free will. Okay, if you want me to have free will, then I'll have free will. If that's your will for me, I want your will more than my next breath. I want what you want. Again, that's what Jesus said in the agony in the garden. Uh, your will be done. That's what Mary said when she was asked by God to, you know, through the angel to be the mother of God. She said, fiat, let it be done to me. So in our spiritual walk, the most important thing that we do is God's holy will. So we always have to say when we make any kind of prayer, if this is what you will, God, because I want your will more than uh, anything else. Huh? Again, as I've been going through these, uh, all these tests, I've had more tests in the last, uh, in the last month than anything else. See, they, they had a, today I got uh, a uh, CAT scan and they had a, put stuff in me to see contrast because they found cysts in my, both of my kidneys. And usually cysts are uh, filled with water, but mine are calcified and one has uh, thick walls on it. So they had to go in and find that, you know, they're looking for cancer and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I go to our blessed mother and I went to Joseph and I went to Jesus and I say, please, I don't want any cancer, but I want your will in my life. So, Whatever God wants, I can tell him what I would like. Lord, I wouldn't like this. To tell you the truth, if you want to know my will, God, I'll, I'll tell you my will. <laughs> so this is what it is. So, like, but I also I went to Joseph. I have great devotion to Joseph, and I put a, uh, I put no cancer. I put it under his pillow because I have the sleeping uh, Saint Joseph. And then I made the mini novena to our Blessed Mother, and I says, "Mom, you know, but." I always got to say, but I want the will of God in my life. And if that's God's will, though I wouldn't want it, then that's what I desire. I desire the will of God in my life. Doesn't mean that we don't struggle with God's will. As we said, Jesus struggled with the God's will at the, at the agony in the garden. But we seek his will always more than our will. Why? Because he's our Lord. He's our God. And when we can trust him, that he loves me more than I love me, that he knows what's best for me, that he is my dad, and he's always gonna do what's best for me, then I can surrender to that will. I can trust him because he is good. And we gotta remember that God is good all the time. He's always good. So when we surrender ourselves to him, we're surrendering ourselves to a father who loves us so infinitely. And we must get to know that love or we live our life in fear. And fear is not the type of life God has called us to. He's called us to live a life of trust. Jesus, I trust in you. We're in the middle of divine mercy novena. He calls us to live a life of joy. He calls us to live a life where we're life-giving to others. And that's what we gotta be doing. It just is. So seek God's will more than anything else. Don't ever, what about this What Seek God's will more than anything else and you'll be fine. Okay. 
Yes, Judas was needed to fulfill scripture. Yes, but he still had freedom. Okay, so like Mary could have said no to the will of God and not uh, become the mother of God. God knows she knew she would, but she was still free. Very important. Keep remembering that, okay? Thank you for receiving Christ for me during communion. Am I superstitious to ask my guardian angel to come assist you during consecration? Have my guardian angel receive Jesus for me and with me? Of course. And I think uh, the better thing to say, he's receiving with you, you know, because he's bringing communion to you. In fact, uh, remember uh, at uh, Our Lady at, uh, at Fatima, the, the, art, the angels came and gave them spiritual communion. Um, so there is reasons for that there. And again, when I do it every morning, and again, I won't, uh, I'll, be, I'll have mass tomorrow and I have it Saturday, but it'll be private mass, I'm guessing, uh, tomorrow for sure. Saturday, when I'm in Dallas, I have no idea if we have a public mass or not. But if not, then I'll say an earlier mass uh, at my hotel before I take off. So, um, but again, uh, every time I do that, when I say I receive in your name, it's because we are one in the body of Christ, huh? So that there isn't many of us, there are many of us, but there's only one body of Christ. So we're always in union with each other in, in Christ. That's why communion isn't just communion with Jesus, it's communion with all our brothers and sisters who are in purgatory, all our brothers and sisters who are in heaven, all our brothers and sisters in the world. It's really a true union, a communion. So what's happening spiritually with some people can be happening physically with others. So when I'm receiving Jesus physically and I'm remembering you, I'm bringing the communion, the unity, and bringing the unity between all of us. That's why communion is such a, a beautiful thing, the most beautiful thing in the church, because it brings true unity in the body, true unity. And that's why it always breaks my heart that we don't have unity in the body. All these years of me being a Catholic, 61 years, it breaks my heart there are people that still, that are looking for a fight in Catholicism, that are always looking for people that be wrong so they can point them out instead of saying, Lord, I'm gonna fast and pray for that person, for looking and calling the Holy Father of the church a heretic. You know, there's a couple people that come on to my daily mass at seven o'clock and they'll just keep, you know, God preserve, uh, protect us from the heretic Pope Francis. And they talk about how good Catholics they are, but you can show that uh, there's something wrong because they keep doing it through consecration. So they're taking people away from consecration in pushing the heresy. So who do you think that's from? Do you think that's a God? Or do you think it's in the evil one? The devil is an accuser and he's trying to divide us because if he divides us, he can pick us off. We must be strong and stand against the evil one. We must be strong and stand up for unity in the church. We must work fast, pray for unity. We must do everything in our power to make us one and stop the ones that are trying to divide us taking a stand and saying, you're wrong. But we say that in humility. We say that in love. We say that because if we're not one with the body of Christ, truly we could be damned. Truly, if we separate ourselves from the Holy Father, 
the, 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 the shepherd, the one who has the power of the keys. Remember, it was only to the Pope that Jesus said, here, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you declare bound on earth, I will bind in heaven. Whatever you declare loosed on earth, I will loose in heaven. So like it or not, Pope Francis at this moment has the keys to keep people, to get people into heaven and keep people out of heaven. And so all these people that are going against him, ah, that's just not a great thing that's happening. They put their own salvation at stake. Please, if you're one of those ones, you gotta stop. We gotta you humbly know that we are not the Pope. Humbly know that we are not the ones who are gonna stand before God in judgment before the whole church. That if it comes to what Father Larry says or Pope Francis say, always listen to the Pope. If it comes to what any cardinal says, any bishop says, or what the Pope says, always listen to the Pope. Because they're the, the Pope is the only one with the promise that Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. The only one. And so, again, I, I keep coming to this because instead of it getting better, it seems to be getting worse. And boy, we got to stop it for our own salvation. We must stop it. And the more we think that we're right and everybody else is wrong, the more our pride gets in the way. And it's that pride that will send us to hell for all eternity. Pride. Again, as we talked about last time, the one thing the devil cannot imitate is humility. He can't imitate it. So if there's no humility when a person's speaking, if there's only anger and a lot of pride and a lot of arrogance, then it's not of God. It's just that simple. Okay? So what's the difference between Orthodox and Catholic? My parents were two different religions. We celebrated two Easter's most of the time. Yes. Orthodox. Remember, in the, in the early church, there was only one church, right? And then as time went on, there was many different, uh, different masses, even in the Catholic church now. We think everything's Roman, but that's not true. We have 24 other um, uh, rites in the Catholic church. You know, Eastern Orthodox, I mean, uh, uh, Byzantine rite and all that stuff. You know, I have a good friend who's a Marianite rite, and the Marianites are great, great people. And I was in Australia. Oh, my gosh, so it's such great, great Great, great people out there. But they say a totally different mass than we do. You know, and so sometimes, again, we, we have this arrogance that this is the only way to say mass. In the early church, there was many ways to say mass, huh? And then, you know, every time the church has gotten to problems, it's always a political problem first. Then we theologize it. It's just that simple. And other people might disagree with this. But so in the early church, around the thousand, there was the, 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 uh, the Pope of Rome, you know, the Bishop of Rome, who traditionally was always known as the Pope. And so he had the spiritual leadership, and that's the Roman Church. But in uh, Constantinople, that's where the emperor was at that time, and the Bishop of Constantinople had the ear of the emperor. So what happens is you have two different people struggling for power, the Church of Rome and the church in Constantinople, the Eastern Church. Both of them, the true church, there's only one church, there isn't many. But so what happened is they start fighting over who's really in charge and they excommunicate each other. And so we had the first split between the Orthodox 
and the Roman church, huh? Or the Catholic church, however you want to call it. And then, so there was already a division there in the year 1000, and then 500 years later, there was another almost 500 years when Luther came, and Luther was trying to, you know, Luther wanted to live and die Catholic. He was bringing up some abuses in that. And so he started, let's have a discussion and debate about this. But then again, everybody took their sides. And again, part of the problem with Lutheranism it's what happened was, is at the same time Germany, where Luther was from, they were being taxed by Rome to help build St. Peter's uh, Basilica. And they didn't like to be taxed by Rome. So what's one of the best things you can do? Well, the Pope is no longer in charge of the church. We'll set up our own religion. And then they made it, so it was a political thing, but then they also had to make it a spiritual reality. So it's faith and faith and works, like we said, or faith alone, sola scriptura, and we had another division. And then you have John, I mean, um, Henry VIII, and he didn't want to get married a third time, and the Pope wouldn't let him, so he says, then you're no longer Pope. I am in charge of the Church of England, and so, and he killed everybody who didn't agree with him. So it's all these political things that eventually people are always right, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm right. The same thing that's happening today. We're right, you're wrong, we're right, you're wrong. And the vision comes, and this church is separated again and again and again. All because we think we're right. All because we know we're right. All because we're willing to kill others. And they did that much in, uh, the, during these divisions. They killed people who didn't agree with them in the name of God. Anyone that has any kind of sense, any kind of heart for God, any kind of mind that really thinks things through, can't you see how wrong this is? Can't you see it? That's what drives me so crazy. Is some people can't even see the problem. We hate each other in God's name. Is that not a problem with the God of love? I think it is. You don't have to agree with me, you know? And so that's fine. But I just think if we really pray about it, we really think about it, God's last prayer for all of us while he was dying, his father, may they be one. And we got to do everything for that unity, okay? So... Uh, yes, there's two different things. The Orthodox have their own uh, stuff. They don't believe in the Pope. Uh, they believe in the Patriarch. They believe in uh, uh, a different reality than we do. So hopefully that helps. And that's oversimplification. Please know that everything I say is oversimplification. You know, so that's my only concern when we sometimes break these things up. Like the other day when I was talking about uh, transgender, and I said, you know, we got to help them to know the love of God so that they can change but I, I didn't say at that time that we, we got to love people, period. Whether they agree with us or whether they don't agree with us, whether they're good Catholics or bad Catholics, whether they're uh, Muslims, Jews, atheists, our job is to love people, period. Because God is love. And if we're going to show the world the love of God, then we got to be loving a world that doesn't know love. So we got to love people, period. Okay? So... Hopefully that helps. Yes, keep your Christmas crib up all year. I do. <laughs> In certain places, I have so many. But yes, you can. That's what I always say. You want to keep your Christmas crib up all year? Do it. You want to keep your crucifix up all year? Do it. You want to keep the resurrection of uh, Christ up all year? Do it. Because it's all in and eternal now. Okay. 
Are horror movies sinful? I wouldn't watch them because they seem to be of the devil. Again, they can be, but you can't put all horror movies under uh, satanic things. I mean, some of them I wouldn't watch like, uh, or some of them I have watched without realizing how bad they'd be. You know, like The Exorcist to me was one of the most horrendous, horrendous, horrendous horror movies ever. Not just because, but what happened? Oh my gosh, I can't even, every time I think about some of the scenes in there, it's just like, oh my, I, I, it just, it's evil. But I wouldn't say all horror movies are evil. I'm not a big watcher of, uh, of horror movies, period. I'd rather not. I don't enjoy being scared. You know, I, I mean, if ever watch what kind of uh, things I like is I like, uh, even comedy sometimes I like, but not as much. I love action movies. I just do. It gets all my uh, energy out um, for myself. But I wouldn't say that all horror uh, things are sinful in any way, shape, or form. But they can be. It depends what's in them. Okay. Do do do. Thank you for your prayers. It is so hard to know God's will every day. What tips can you give us? I can give you lots. I wrote a whole book on this called, uh, there's a CD out called Knowing God's Will, which is an hour long talk on how to discern God's will. And my book on surrender is exactly how to know God's will and live God's will every day. And to summarize it all, it comes down to in his will is our peace. You know, if you went to mass today, Jesus says, peace be with you. You know, yesterday he called them foolish and stupid, but today he says, peace be with you. And uh, God, uh, Jesus, at the, God, who is Jesus, of course, at the Last Supper, he says, peace is my gift to you, my peace I give you. By definition, we should all have peace. And when we lose our peace, it's one of two reasons. One, because we're in mortal sin, we can't have peace if we're in mortal sin. And two, if we're not doing God's holy will. So then I always got to think, okay, I've lost my peace. So what am I not doing that is not of God? What am I doing that's not of God? Or what does God want me to be doing that I'm not doing now? And a great way to find that out if you're struggling is like, like you're going to make a decision about where to go to school or make a decision about what kind of job or make a decision about getting married or make a decision, whatever. And for, especially for major decisions, you put them different sheets of paper, all your options, like once, let's say we're gonna to go to college, okay? So you're a college kid, or a high school kid, thinking, where am I gonna to go to college? And so one, you put Notre Dame, another one, you put uh, the public school in your area, the other one, you point Yale or whatever. And then you put the good and bad on each of these sheets of paper. And then you sit before the Lord and say, Jesus, I want your will more than my next breath. Whatever you want, I will do. And then you sit with each piece of paper separately. And if it gives you peace, keep it. If it doesn't, throw it away. Now, what is peace? Peace is oneness with self, oneness with God, oneness with all things. It's the, the true peace that comes from God is the pre-peace of the, uh, before Adam and Eve sinned. That's the peace that Jesus gives us, this shalom, this wholeness. It's a peace of wholeness. So by definition, again, we should have peace. And so if we're not at peace, we really got to discern in our heart, am I in sin? And when we talk about mortal sin, sometimes people just look at the, look at the, the uh, list of mortal sins and say, oh, Father, I can't think of anything. Well, the core of all sin is our pride. It's doing things our way. 
So if we don't have peace, we have to look and say, God, am I living my life the way you want me to live my life? So what would that look like? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35, all people will know you're my disciples. Why? Because you love one another. So am I a person of love? Do I put other people in front of me? Because that's God's will for me. Am I taking care of the poor? Because that's God's will for me. Am I doing, not just am I not sinning the commandments, but am I living what God's called me to do through the teaching of Jesus, who is God? Because sometimes, like the Pharisees, we're not living God's will, though they never broke a commandment. You understand? So we got to make sure that we are, again, I, I say this again and again and again and again and again. If God is love, then we must be love. If God is love, then we must be love. If God is love, then we must be love in our own personalities, in our own way. And again, I've been struggling this in my own life because I often think about I can be so selfish. And the reason when I, when I think about I can be selfish is because sometimes I just don't want to be bothered. I don't want to, I, I don't want one more phone call. I don't want one more email. Like I haven't answered emails. I just started again today, but I haven't looked at emails since March 26th because I was getting overwhelmed and all this struggle. It was my birthday and uh, everybody was saying, Father, can you do this? Oh, I can't, okay, I'll get to that. And so then I just had over a hundred and some emails. I just didn't even look at it. Every time I got another email, I just, okay, it's there. And so today I started, I haven't got through them all yet. I still have about 30 more to go through. But it's just because I get into a selfish mode, like, God, I can't do one more thing. I just can't. I can't uh, handle one more thing. And so then I turn inward, and then I say, okay, when I'm in my prayer, I say, Lord, you got to help me get over me. You got to help me not stand focused on me so that I can truly be your priest who gives away my life every day. And again, that's a great thing to talk about on a podcast and sounds all spiritual and holy but if i'm not living it it means nothing period so if you want to pray for me pray that i stop being a selfish priest because that's what i need more than anything i need to be more other centered and so but again the point of all that is to live god's will means that we're love in a world doesn't know love we're not we're just not breaking the commandments we have to be living his will, and that'll help us have peace. Okay. Hi, Father. Abortion is legal, but that doesn't make it right. Absolutely correct. So the fact that marijuana is legal, I guess it doesn't make it good. I'm just not sure about its medical use. Thank you. Well, of course, but there's a humongous difference between killing babies and smoking marijuana. <laughs> humongous difference, right? And so abortion kills another human being. Marijuana, it's the same thing you could say about alcohol. You know, alcohol, some places, it was illegal in the States for a while, a period, so that's why it's wrong. If you purposely get drunk on alcohol, it can be mortally sinful, right? So, but you can have a drink, you can have wine at dinner, and it's not being sinful at all. So again, uh, so the, the abort, I mean, the uh, marijuana thing would be the same thing as, uh, as alcohol. It isn't even close to the same thing as killing somebody, another human being. You know, so we gotta, again, you just gotta watch how we start putting things together. So they're two entirely different realities. You know, now if you smoke marijuana and kill somebody, that's a double bad thing. 
But again, if it's because you're sick or it's because you have anxiety and it's trying to uh, calm you down, again, I'm not a doctor, but I just know that everything God gave us, God gave us for our good if it's used for his glory. But again, say something like sex. I wasn't going to talk about sex, but I'm going to for a moment now. Sex inside of marriage is the most wonderful, glorious thing we can do. It makes us like God. But sex outside of marriage is something that can kill us, kill others' soul, and send us to eternal damnation. So the same act, the exact same act, exact same act, can either be good or it can be evil, depending on how it's used and why it's used, right? So that's what we're, uh, we're talking about. So you just can't sit there and just make general statements about all this stuff, especially when it comes to morality. And uh, uh, so I hope that helps. But again, humongous difference between abortion and marijuana. Thank you for asking that, though. Father Larry, okay. Yes. Thank you for your prayers. Yeah, we didn't get a notification Our Lady is crazy because again, this didn't go the way it's supposed to happen. I have no idea what happened today. Um, but again, my executive director is not here. So uh, I didn't know she wasn't gonna be here, but her brother just died. We uh, buried him yesterday. So, uh, and her son was in town. So I'm guessing that she took him back to the, um, to go back home because he's from uh, Idaho or Washington. But anyway, I just didn't know. So I'm sorry, but this is working fine, you know, not as professional. But again, I don't know if anyone's ever figured. I'm pretty blue collar and I'm pretty uh, laid back about all this type of stuff. It drives them all crazy, I know. But anyway, that's the way it works. Thank you for your book, Be a Man. Men of the world need to read this book. Uh, it's still a, a book, I, I, if it was up to me now, I would, it's been out for 11, 12 years, so I'd love to update the book because I'd say things a little bit differently, but it's still, the core of it is very basic stuff about reading the scripture every day, being the man God called you to be, being a saint, being someone who changes the world, living as a beloved son, living by the power of the Holy Spirit, all those things that uh, uh, men are called to do. Okay. Father, how can I bring my kids the importance of Jesus in their lives? First of all, by showing them how important Jesus is in your life. huh? Um, not the rules of Jesus, not the rules of the church, but the person of Jesus. Absolutely the person of Jesus. And again, if your kids look at you and they see, wow, Look how, look how loving my mother is. They're going to want to be just like you. And when you know, when they look at you and see how loving you are towards them and towards others, and, they, and you say, that's because of my prayer life, because I know the love of such a great Savior, then they'll come to know the love of such a great Savior too. And so we lead them by our example by our example of knowing God in our own prayer and by loving God through other people. And the more we do that, the more the world would love to see Jesus. I have a friend who goes between atheism and uh, being agnostic and being spiritual. And he said to me the other day, it, 
does his, he, he loves when he sees Christians that are living the gospel, that are taking care of the poor, that are other-centered. And the reason he, he served my first mass, he's one of the greatest people I know, one of the kindest, one of the most good people I know. But his problem, I think, with the church has always been that it hasn't always been Christ to the world. We've brought a lot of judgment to the world. And at the same time, while we're talking about the purity of Christ and that, there's priests that have, what we all know, done horrible things. And there's cover-up and everything else. And so we can, we can all talk a great game. But for people who are just serving and giving away their lives for others, there's not enough room there to be judging other people at the same time because you can't do both at the same time. So I've always been struck by that, that... When people are living the faith, then people come to Christ. When people aren't living the faith, then people stay away from Christ. So we can be the reason people come to Jesus or the reason people run from Jesus. By whether I'm loving as Jesus is loving or whether I'm condemning as Jesus forbid me to condemn. And yet we all automatically rationalize, I must be able to condemn, I must be able to do that. That's just the reality. So we got to do that. Then people will be coming. We'll draw people to Jesus. Huh? We, like I preached at uh, Easter Sunday, we got to be life givers. We got to be life givers. So our, the people know that Jesus Christ is alive when they look at my life. Do they know that Jesus Christ is alive because they can see inside, they can see him living inside of me. They know he's alive because I'm a person who gives life to others. That's the reality. So uh, hopefully that helps. Can you play say mass tomorrow at my at your private room tomorrow, please, and stream it? I don't know, honest to goodness. I have because I I don't I won't be able to do it in the morning because I'm I'm leaving at uh, I have to be on the plane at five o'clock tomorrow morning in Cleveland. So uh, I, I normally wake up at three o'clock, and even if that by the time I take a shower and get to the airport, and that it'll be just in time for me to get on the plane. So I won't be able to do it in the morning, but maybe later in the day. I still have no idea what my schedule looks like tomorrow. Uh, that was part of what I was going to find out today, but I don't know. So, but again, either way, I always have my homily for tomorrow and Saturday will be on Podbean. And so you can go there and listen to the homily. Um, you know, hopefully that helps. Okay, as an act of omission, a mortal sin, oh, it sure can be. A mortal's uh, uh, acts of omission can be mortally sinful because let's say you don't give to the poor and that person dies of starvation. Well, that's a mortal sin. But again, though, as we talked about before, uh, Jesus sends people to hell, according to Matthew 25, because they didn't take care of the poor. So whether you call it mortally sin or not, <laughs> if you're not doing it and you go to hell, well, ob objectively, it was mortally sinful because it damned you forever because you were more concerned about yourself than you were about others and you let his children die. And that's why, again, I always talk about we need to always be taking care of especially children. You know, uh, now it's about 15,000 children die everywhere in the world every day because of starvation. And when you and I stand before God in judgment and he says, how come it, it, during your time while you were alive, 15,000 children died every day of starvation? What are you going to say? Well, they weren't my kids. You know, they weren't from my country. That wasn't my job. He'll go, no, they were my kids. And I gave you an abundance so that they wouldn't die but you always put yourself first. You see how that can be damning forever? We gotta be concerned 
about all the children of the world because they're God's children. And we gotta be concerned about our own children, of course. But it's not either or, it's both and. People that wanna make this either or, there's problems. They see things from their perspective instead of God's perspective. We must always look at things the way God sees things. Not the way I see things, not the way my friends see things, not the way my echo chambers think things, see things, not the way the talking heads see things, the way God sees things. I gotta have the mind and the heart of God. And every single person is loved by God and wanted to be with him forever. So I gotta do everything in my power to help them, to feed them, to take care of them, and get them to heaven, okay? Did you pass your kidney stone? Yeah, I talked about it in the beginning. I think I did. It wasn't in there when they went looking the other day. So that's, I got an x-ray and they didn't find it. So, uh, but I didn't feel it as it came. So that's too much information, but still. Okay. Okay. I am so confused when he does not do mass. I pray that Father. Okay. Better not be confused. There's plenty of masses out there. Don't anybody ever get crazy over the way I do things because I'm the most sinful person you guys know promise you, you know, so I am the most arrogant, miserable human being ever. And you know that if you've paid any attention to me, some people say, well, Father Larry's a hypocrite and they are 100 uh, percent uh, not liars. They are 100 percent true. Absolutely. There's lots in me. So that's why any priest is the person of Jesus. That's why we have to watch. We never put priests down. So watching any priest say mass. What a gift to be able to be there. So don't ever look at the person, the priest. For the day when Father Larry becomes more important than the priesthood or Jesus, that's the day I gotta give up being a priest. Hopefully it's always about Jesus. It's always about uh, Jesus. It's always about Jesus. Hmm? So always look to Jesus and boy, there's so many great priests. Father Michael, Michael Smith's best priest around. Makes, he's, you know, wanna watch a good holy mass, watch his. Watch Bishop Barons. They're all good, 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 good men, much better than me. So uh, they have mass every day too. So watch it. It'd be great. Okay. When I ask to act to sin of omission, I mean when a coworker is not working accordingly or someone who is abusive to his partner. Yes, it can be. Of course, that's all I can say. Yes, it can be. Okay. Sometimes I feel so far away, I have a lot of heartache and I just wonder why. Yes. <sighs> We all have heartache, we all have loneliness. That's why it's so important in our prayer, we let Jesus hold us. We gotta let Jesus hold us. Until you get to know the love of Jesus in your prayer life, you're always gonna be seeking more. Jesus is enough, he is enough. If you come to know him intimately and you get to spend time in his arms. So again, I just wanna encourage you, every day, just say, I'm sorry, I surrender, hold me. Repent of your sins, surrender your life to Jesus, and feel him embrace you. Feel him embrace you. Put your head on his chest, listen to his heartbeat. Every time his heart beats, he says, I love you, I love you. Let Jesus love you every day and sit there until you know it. And then your heartache will be less, but we're never gonna live a life without heartache. It's just part of life but we can offer that up too for the love of others. 
okay? Know that we're all going to pray for you too, okay? But we got to go. Uh, thanks for being with me again. I'm very sorry that this uh, didn't work out the way it was supposed to. Uh, again, hopefully by next week, everything will be fixed. Uh, but I ask you to pray for me, pray for my trip, pray for the men I'll be speaking to this weekend in Dallas and uh, make it back fine in time for Mass on Sunday. All the uh, flights are, I always say, safe and smooth, safe and smooth, safe and smooth. Okay? And know I'm praying for you and I love you. Thank you for watching. God bless you.